struts like John Wayne, resembles Jim Carrey, and dresses like he's visually impaired. Because he is Insight. Insight with Mark Farrell on the Progressive Radio Network. 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 Ah, yes. She is lit and she is beautiful. Yes, the Christmas tree. Rockefeller Center. Lit last night. Concert. So it's official. The holiday season is here, man. And what a great way. You know, what a New York City grand tradition. And also kind of like a, a rite of passage for everyone, right? Whether you live in the tri-state area or wherever you live in the world, everyone knows about the Rockefeller Center tree. It's unbelievable. I mean, the plaza itself. Hey, good Thursday to you. It's Mark Farrell. Welcome to Insights on the Progressive Radio Network. Hope you're well. So happy to have you hang with me on National Special Education Day. Man, this is a big day. It recognizes the change in federal legislation that led to the nation's first federal special education law. I think that was back in like 1970 or 71. So I have a a real soft spot for special education students, special education teachers, paraprofessionals, you name it, educators in that field, et cetera. Because uh, they are, I'd say probably 60-ish percent of the audiences I speak with in schools. Uh, So youth and adults, special education um, is just vital. Uh, Persons with special needs, disabilities, you name it, however, and whatever vernacular you want to use, they are incredible people. And yes, the law is extremely warranted. And uh, of course, there's more to be done, especially when kids age out of high school. There's a big gap, which of course creates a lot of problems for families uh, when individuals aren't able to live on their own. But this particular population, when I speak with them, I just am in love with them because they see me as someone with an invisible disability, which I do have, my visual impairment. But when I peel my layers back like an onion and expose all the hurdles and all the adversity I've had in life, like other people, but just different, we have a real connection. And when I say to them what they are able to do and I empower them, whether it's just communicating, whether it's making a friend, whether it's getting through the day, whether it's feeling just a little bit better about themselves. A great show coming your way. Yes, of course, I'm biased. Chris Buckley is a comedian and a terrific, terrific person. I had the pleasure of meeting her over, unbelievable, I can't believe I'm going to say this, over 20 years ago. 20 years ago. How is that possible? It's a crazy story how a good friend of mine, Stefan Crispin, was at a wedding And sat next to Chris Buckley's friend, and that's how we got introduced. And all these decades later, we would occasionally see each other at different events, mostly when I was hosting comedy events, which I've done for many years for Laugh for a Sight in New York City at Gotham Comedy Club. And I'd hear, hey, Mark, hey, Mark. And I'd be like, Chris, Chris. Of course, I never had enough time to really speak with her at length, but we did recently. And I saw how gifted she is and her adversity in life and what she's overcome being so astute, being so successful, and more importantly, doing something that she's yearned to do for decades. Get up on the stage and make people laugh. And what a gift she has. You're going to meet her in a few minutes. Uh, We don't have a lot of time because I want to dedicate a lot of time to Chris. But very quickly, Chris Cuomo. Uh, You know, I'm not surprised. Once this was getting out about his brother and the shenanigans his brother was pulling, of course, which was not a surprise at all, Um, Did I like Governor Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo? Yes. I thought he did a pretty bang-up job. Aside from, of course, hiding those valuable numbers 
telltale numbers about all the seniors that died during the pandemic. It's hard to gloss over that. But that aside, if you can put that aside, I thought he did a bang-up job for COVID. So, Chris Cuomo, uh, is blood thicker than politics? (laughs) I don't know, man. Uh, Suspended from CNN. And I'm sure he's out there. uh, And I'm sure he's going to be out for good. Because after, you know, what he's trying to do, use his professional contacts to dig up dirt so his brother can possibly get out of this less unscathed because obviously his goose is going to be cooked permanently and indefinitely. But um, his remarks yesterday said something like on his radio show, his serious radio show, something like that it was unfortunate, yada, 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 uh, that he compromised and used other people. Well, yes, that's true, but it, it's, it's your doing, Chris Cuomo. You're the one who made decision that, you know what, I'm going to put my professional career to personal use when you probably knew your brother was dirty. So it's really unfortunate. And the biggest thing, which I'm sure you have a problem with, is that yet once again, once again, a person in power thinks they are untouchable. They are above the law. I don't understand it. In this day and age, in this era, where everything, I mean, is is he a complete idiot sending texts? If you were to do something that wasn't on the up and up, wouldn't you think... Someone of that intelligence level being in the public eye on TV every day would be susceptible to people even hacking his account. So he would say to his brother, hey, you know what? Maybe we should just talk. Let's not have any digital footprints, no texts, no emails, etc. But no, again, a privileged life that people like Chris Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, and you name it think that they can get away with, yeah, murder. Yes, of course, he didn't murder anybody. But people have done it, man, and I just don't get it. I guess people just think they're so invincible, so untouchable, and I can never, ever wrap my head around feeling that way. Could you? Wow. Yeah, man, so Chris Buckley, you're going to love her. She's just incredible on every level. Again, I met her years ago, and uh, I think her friend Allison, who was just so sweet, um, thought we were going to hit it off. And we did. There's no love connection, as Chris uh, aptly put it a few days ago when we spoke. But she's doing incredible work. And this goes to show you that it's never, ever, ever too late to reinvent yourself, to do what you want to do, whether it's jumping out of an airplane, going back to college, maybe asking out the person who you think is like the apple of your eye. You never know. It's never too late. Please enjoy my conversation with Chris Buckley from the other day. Chris Buckley, it is an absolute yes. delight to finally have you on a show and to reconnect. I know. It's been a long time, Mark. It's been a great journey. <laughs> and this show should be titled The Blind Leading the Blind, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or The Nearly Blind. The Nearly Blind. Well, I'm blind yeah. in certain ways, aren't we all? Uh, yeah, that's true. So some, as a comedian, physical. as yes. a comedian, this is a great jumping off point because you know, what is off balance for you? I mean, everything can be put out there in the ether, made fun of, mm-hmm. poked, prodded. And that's one of the beautiful things about being a comedian. Is that one of the things that resonates with you the most? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I've always been self-deprecating. I almost said self-defecating, which of no, course don't is jinx different yourself. thing. <laughs> Keep those ears, girl. <laughs> but um yeah, so I I mean it, it takes a lot to offend me, 
you know, um, the shows are always, (laughs) Oh no, I'm in trouble. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I kind of put it out there, you know, I'm blind. There's nothing that I can do about that. There's nothing that I could have done about it to stop that from happening. So, you know, accepting it was the hardest part. And that's the part I go with now that, you know, I just kind of put myself out there. And so far I've only had a couple of people, you know, in the blind community telling me that I, um, you know, that I'm, how did they put it? That, that I'm not funny because this is the pain that they live with every day. And I just, I, you know, I accepted that uh, as that's just the stage that they're at now. They're not at the same stage I am. And it took me a long time to get to this point. And everyone has pain and everyone has different ways and conduits to deal with pain. And you're going to be doing with pain a great way this Saturday at Broadway Comedy Club. Yes, Saturday night. This is a big show for Chris Buckley. It is. It is. It's the industry room show. Uh, So that's a showcase of new talent. And um, it's basically an audition to be passed in the comedy club uh, so that I could have a beginner's residency in the club. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. You know, the other gigs I've been doing have been for fun and, you know, basically, you know, to get myself out there. And now I think I'm ready. I'm ready for an audition. So I think you're more than ready. The material I've seen. Also, we should tell people you have a YouTube channel, which is titled. It's called A Moment in Christory. And Christory is with two S's. So it's C-H-R-I-S-S-T-O-R-Y. Smooshing together Chris and Story. I would imagine that material comes to you pretty naturally because I think in the world we live in, especially nowadays, the jokes pretty much friggin' write themselves. I mean, look around in a given day. I mean, look at the news yesterday, you know, Cuomo off CNN because he's supporting his brother. I mean, you know, in this day and age, I mean, of course he's privileged. He thinks he would never get caught. I mean, this stuff just writes itself. Of course, you're talking about, a lot of self-deprecation, which uh, we're going to play a clip in a few minutes. But I imagine, you know, leading the very colorful and interesting and varied life that you have, that the material is pretty easy for you to scratch, especially since you're so smart, so witty and so cunning. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I So far, I've basically been um, making fun of myself. And less about, you know, current events. I mean, I throw some current events in there because you can't Mm. avoid it, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's basically more myself. Um, And yeah, I mean, I've lived such a, such a life, you know, I've had so many different types of experiences, both before I lost my vision and since, you know, that I I can just kind of roll it all together. And plus, you know, uh, some of my fandom, such as, um, you know, I'm a Mets fan and all that sort of stuff. That that in itself, you know, is painful and fun at the same time. So, you know, so, yeah. Chris, talk about the power of being on stage. It's one thing to be a comedian, to choose a path of ridicule, because yes, you are the one on stage making the jokes, but that is a hotbed. You're putting yourself out there for critics, for someone who can't even tell a knock-knock joke to ridicule. And to take it many steps further, you are an amazing woman who has the unfortunate or fortunate, depend on who you ask, and I'm, I should be asking you, to disregard, don't worry about your phone. I know she, Chris got a new phone yesterday. She was telling me yeah. before the interview. So don't worry about uh, whatever that voice is in the background. Don't fret. 
Uh, let's just have a good time and laugh because okay. shit happens yeah. in life, right? You got to roll with it just like on stage. So my exactly. point is that with, with your disability, that, you know, that's one other hurdle or barrier to obviously consider before, and we're talking about the history of how you got uh, interested in comedy, et cetera, but all those other aspects. Oh yeah. The fear factor, material factor, mm -hmm. the getting a good factor. All these are major, major tangibles that you must wrap your head around and say, yeah, that's okay. I'm good with it. I'm still going to do it. And on top of that, with all the most respect in the world, Chris Buckley, you're not 35. I know I'm not, so I'm, I'm 35 all plus. around. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, it was last year that I decided to really throw myself into it. I mean, I've been dabbling in it for speaking of 35 for about 35 years off and on mostly off, but, um, it's, there's just something in me that I, I want to make people laugh, you know, even, you know, before I, put it up on a stage. You know, I, I, I just love making people laugh and have make people have fun and, you know, all that. And there is a, a power in being able to make people laugh. And the first time I heard, you know, a complete audience of people, you know, laughing with me or at me, I'll take either way. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, I, it, it stopped me in, you know, I almost forgot what I was going to say next, you know, because just the sound, you know, it, it's, it's a sound that you, yeah, you hear it on TV, mm -hmm. you know, and you're like, wow, you know, that, that would be awesome to get that. And then when I, the first time I did get that, you know, and it's still, it still takes me, you know, when I, when I hear people laughing, you know, so, um, yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's great. It's, um, yeah, well, I, I was going to say when you said, you know, you're putting yourself out there. Um, one of my comedy teachers, you know, I've taken a few classes. He said that you have a chance of dying twice when you when you do stand up comedy. The first time is because it's public speaking. And we all know how hard that is. And uh, the second time is trying to make people laugh. You That's know, a great and line. So, yeah, and someone who's been speaking all their lives. I've never heard that. But it's so true because I've lived it because, you know, there's sometimes and we spoke about this the other day in terms about your routine and how fluid you are. But there is a, sometimes a little voice inside my head that if I'm up on stage and if something's going really right, I almost have a little conversation in my head going like, oh, my God, this is I'm killing it. This yeah, audience yeah, yeah. is in my hand. This is great. I'm so happy this is working out this way. And the converse effect. Oh boy, I think I'm losing some people. All right, let me get out of this bit. Uh, let me get out of this topic or, you know, mm -hmm. flip it on its end, whatever I need to do to switch the energy in the room, et cetera. And that's how you read rooms. And that's exactly. another point that I find just astounding is that it's hard for you to read a room because for you, it's all audibles. Yeah. The first, the hardest part actually is getting up on the stage, you know, because I'm physically. sure you've been in comedy clubs, right? Yeah. To physically get up there because, um, yeah, I, I use a seeing eye dog and, um, you know, in comedy clubs, it's really tightly packed and people are spread out and they have their chairs pushed back and just finding the path it's to the tight. stage in New York city, no yeah. less. Exactly. So you Chris know, Buckley, so, I have to uh, yeah. throw you under the bus here because you just said yeah. to me, have I ever been to a comedy show? I've hosted comedy shows that you've attended. So obviously I did not leave an indelible impression on you, Chris Buckley. And we're out of time. <laughs> Got to go. <laughs> you are so busted. No, 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 no. Here. I think I said, mm -hmm. I think you've been to comedy shows. Oh, as an attendee. Back. Oh, you're backpedaling so well. Yes. As an attendee. Yes. And of yes. course, yes. And of course, I know I've been there, 
you know, that was one of the many times we, we reconnected over the past 20 something years. Yeah. Laugh or fight. At Laugh for Sight, uh, Gotham Comedy Club. Yeah, yeah one of my favorite was, uh, clubs. I think one of yours as well, right? It is. Isn't it that is. where you took I mean, some classes as well? I, yeah, I took a bunch of classes from you know through that comedy club, and um, it's been it's been great. You know, is that so, where uh, you were seated next to George Carlin's brother, unbeknownst no, to you? No, no, that was up in Woodstock, New York, at a um, Bronx nostalgia night, um, probably about 10, 12 years ago. Because um, you yeah. are from the Bronx. The Bronx. That's and that's, right, I think, the real reason why you're funny as hell. Well, the things that I saw when I was growing up, yeah, please, you either had a laugh yeah. you know? <laughs> And it's yeah. not evident, actually, in your diction that you're from the Bronx. Oh, really? No. I, I thought it was. I mean, give it to me. Lay it on. Lay it on. I am from the Bronx. See, I, I pronounce oh, my so you can't even fake it. I can't. No, that's, can't. that's a good thing. <laughs> well, I've lived in tongue. a bunch of places. Yes, well, I do. Well, I you've do. traveled a lot. And as a matter of fact, uh, when you were in college the second time, I think you graduated the third time and the second time, you went to the UK, correct? Uh, That was actually the first time around. Oh, the first time. Yeah, yeah. First, second time, whatever. But you loved it and you embraced the newness, the different culture, um, the the pasty white men over there. Well, wait a second. Now, here's the thing. I've done Ancestry.com and 23.com. And 23.com has me as 99.9% British and Irish. Uh-huh. Okay. And yeah. that 0.1% is unassigned. So come on, you've seen me assign it. What the heck could it be? You know, I mean, my God, you know, so yeah. So I, it was my first time ever in England. I had been to Ireland a couple of times before that. And um, yeah, it was just fantastic. So it was like the best experience because I got to live in a different place in a major city, you know, you know, hot guys with nice accents, you know, don't laugh at that. Are hot you guys. sucker for that? Oh Yeah. My yeah, wife told me when she was, uh, I forget when she was in a New York City bar or in Ireland, she goes, some guy came up to her and said, you're in charge of a lot of beauty. And she's like, my uh, knees melted. Yeah, I said, yeah, yeah. my knees melt for you just hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I thought I had some good lines. You're in charge of a lot of beauty. Damn, I <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah, well, no, you I'm are, you that. are. So, <laughs> so that combined with uh, something that took place later on in life, uh, yes. your slow... Slow yes. loss of vision yeah. uh, happening over years. Was that something that scared the living daylights out of you or and or did you cope with it through humor? Uh, it didn't scare me, um, which is kind of weird. But I, it, I was relieved when I found out that I was just losing my vision because I honestly thought, I, I mean, I, I was under a lot of stress. My mom had just been diagnosed with cancer and uh, I had a job that, wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. What industry um, was this? It was in the airline industry. Ah, um, yeah. <laughs> Another aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I went back to work for the second time at Westchester County airport and um, it, you know, you can never go back. You know what I mean? Whether it's a relationship or a job, you know, it's never the same the second time around, it's, you know, hopefully it's better, but this time it wasn't. And um, that, stress compared with, you know, my mom being sick, you know, my living situation at the time. Um, I I thought I was just like completely stressed out and that that's why I was missing things visually. You know, I thought maybe I was also kind of cracking up, you know, losing my mind a bit there. So when I, um, I finally decided I had to go, you know, get my eyes checked out because, you know, people were waving to me, you know, from the other side of the terminal and all the pilots are like, there goes the hottie attendant. 
No, no, I was a, I was a customer service agent at this point, but, but hot, yes. No one looked better in polyester than you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, I loved wearing that uniform, but anyway, we, I don't want to get off on a tangent there. I, um, you know, people would wave to me and they'd say, Hey, Chris. And I'd look and I couldn't see where they were. And I, I didn't understand that. So I finally decided after I didn't see an airplane at seven thirty-seven pulling into the gate anyway, well, they're not almost getting big. stuck into an engine kind of makes you think Whoa, about things. Think a bird you strike know? would hurt the plane. <laughs> what about a Chris strike? You can use that Chris in your next stand up routine. I think I probably would have gotten fired if I got sucked into that engine. And well, you, know, you would have been dead. Yeah. <laughs> fired, fired from life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fired from life. Yeah. My so, name is Mark um, Farrell. Excuse me one second, Chris. My name is Mark Farrell. The show is Insight on the Progressive Radio Network. I am fortunate, and you are fortunate to hear the voice of Chris Buckley. She's a comedian and so much more. She's got a show this Saturday night in New York City, and she's telling us exactly about how she felt about her slow vision loss and how she was dealing with it through working in the airline industry. Take over, Chris. All right. So um, so I decided after the whole 737 incident that maybe I should go get my eyes checked out. Oh, I thought you were going to and... say become a pilot. <laughs> no, they don't hire blind people for that job. Just uh, automation. alcoholics and sociopaths. You know, that's one of my jokes. Anyway, um, that's an airline joke. I love it. Anyway, so, um, so when they told me that I had retinitis pigmentosa, and I also had uh, macular degeneration in my left eye. I was so relieved. I, I was just like, oh my God, so I'm not going crazy. This is great. you know. Sure, and then yeah. I got home and then I realized, oh my God, I'm going blind. you know. So I got depressed. And um, that night, it was a, I believe it was a Thursday night. Seinfeld was on that night. This is going back to 1993. And I was moping around. I was like laying on my mom's couch, like, oh, my life is over. My life is over. And Seinfeld mm-hmm. came on. And it was the, the episode where um, the one journalist thought that George and Jerry were gay. <laughs> and I yeah. laughed my butt off at that. You know, and I said, OK, I'm all right. I'll be OK, because I can Just still like laugh. that. Just like that. That's yeah. amazing. Isn't it amazing yeah. how an energy shift can totally transform a mindset? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, other things happened later on that year, like my mom passing away. So, you know, I did go through a bit of a depression for a few months, you know, with the combination of, you know, not being able to get around. I lived up, up in Rockland County, New York, so I couldn't drive anymore. And it was like kind of tough getting around without sidewalks and all that, you know, for my mom passing away. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I, I went through a bit of a funk there um, while I was trying to figure things out, how to, you know, transportation and all that sort of stuff. You know, I couldn't work at the airlines anymore because they have this funny little thing about needing to be able to see, you know, to work there. You know, they, they did want to keep me out in the training department, but I, could, I couldn't get there. So, you know, anyway. Yeah. So, you know, was there an when, imbalance, when, Chris Buckley, with your vision loss with uh, obviously there are vastly different diagnoses, macular degeneration and RP. Macular is basically the exterior of the peripheral of the eyes and RP is the central vision. So it's the opposite. It's, oh, the, it's opposite. the opposite. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's uh, yeah. So the macular was in my left eye with the RP. So, you know, that was one of the reasons why I was having a problem pinpointing things like mm. when people waving at me or cars, you know, driving 737s, you know, 737s. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that, that blurred the middle part of my vision and, you know, because my right eye still had the central vision, everything kind of seemed like it was uh, off kilter, 
you know, like off balance there. And then the, the peripheral vision that affected, you know, things coming at me from my side and sure. also steps and curbs and, you know, even things coming from above, you know, like tree limbs and all that. So I was whacking my head. If they ever have to do an autopsy on my head, you know, <laughs> they're going to take my scalp off and my brain is just going to crumble. I mean, my and scalp. And they're going to think you're a WWE wrestler, right? Oh, they're they're going to say, what the heck? How did this woman live this long? Was the vision loss uh, timing wise equal or close to equal in both eyes? No, no. no. It alternated, which is kind of weird. Really? You know, for a while, my right eye was my better eye. Then my left eye became my better eye, which was like really depressing. That's and probably hard for right your eye. brain to adjust. <laughs> it was the best thing that ever happened. And some of your viewers or listeners are not going to understand this. The best thing that ever happened was when I couldn't see anything anymore, you know, because then I wasn't relying on my faulty vision. Describe you know, that. I just had to go with what was. Describe that, Chris. Well, you know, when I open my eyes, you know, I, I can still see light and dark, but that's about it. You know, and I have these crazy flashing lights. It's like an LSD trip, you know, 24 hours a day, even when wow, I close my nice eyes. Nice, without the tab. You know? Yeah, with, without the side effects. Mm, you yeah, know? So, no depression. Um, yeah. So when I could still see something, I, I, I was still trying to see. So I would, you know, not rely on my other senses, you know, like they train you to do an orientation and mobility training. Mm -hmm. That's where you learn how to use a white cane and how to, you know, listen for sound cues and all of that. Um, so when I was relying on my faulty vision, I was falling a lot. Not that I don't fall now, but I, you know, but I fell more back then because, you know, I was still struggling with um, accepting that I was losing my vision and, you know, hoping, you know, that my faulty vision would mm. lead me, you know, not lead me astray. And acclimating. Yeah. And now that I can't use that, you know, I mean, I can use it as far as like focusing, like if I, if, if it's light out and there's a window open and it's, you know, I can kind of see where the light is coming sure. from. Yeah. So, I mean, that made things easier, which I would never have believed until I went through it. Chris Buckley, you know? you're very, very strong. I applaud you, you for all that you've done and talk about the, the beginning because there's different chunks of your comedic career. Mm -hmm. um, and tell us about how it started and the time off and then how you got reacquainted and what fuels you to keep going. The first time I ever did an open mic was around 1987 in Lyons, Illinois, at a place called the Comedy Womb. That's hysterical had, right there. And, uh, <laughs> the Comedy Womb. Womb, yeah, W-O-M-B. Yeah. Um, I had gone there many times. Um, whenever people would come out to visit me out in Chicago, I would take them there because I loved this place. It was like, it was like hidden behind a restaurant. It was like really cool. Like you had to walk over a moat to get into it. I don't know. Anyway, so um, they had free pizza and open mic Tuesdays. Well, there you go. You know? so, and I was like, well, you know, I was making $6 an hour, you know, living in Chicago, you know, and uh, I figured free pizza, at least I'd get dinner, you know, so. Um, and you thought you so had the goods because you thought you were good at winging it and you thought other comedians yeah. always won yeah. it without planning it. I had no idea that you had to prepare your stuff. I figured working in the airlines and working in the lost luggage department was enough that That's I could get up there and talk right there. Sure. <laughs> exactly. And so I signed up and I, you know, I had my drink. I didn't get my pizza yet. I, they called me up. I went up on the stage and it was the longest five minutes of my life. And, and that's where you died the first no, time. I died. I was so bad. And I, 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 I don't even know if I actually even said anything, you know, because, you know, hearing my voice over a microphone, I was like, oh my God, I'm talking into a microphone. You know, not that I didn't do that at the airlines, mm. but, you know, whatever. Anyway, it was like um, 
Mr. Farrell to runway two, Mr. Farrell to runway two. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Last boarding call for Midway Airlines, flight number 386, service to New York LaGuardia Airport. Yeah. Much better kind. example. Thank you. Yes. Covered my mouth just so it sounded like it was over the speaker. Anyway, um, so I I didn't even get my pizza. I just walked straight out, walked off the stage. Whoa, out whoa, the whoa, door. whoa, whoa, wait. I'm sorry. I know how much you love pizza. You four went the pizza? That's how I, awestruck you I were and embarrassed and mortified? I chose starvation. Wow. <laughs> that underscores <laughs> the significance of that day. That's incredible. So I, I got back into my car, I drove home, and I said, I am never doing that again. And so 20 years later or so, wow. I was up in Woodstock, New York at an open mic. Let me for, interrupt um, you one sec, Chris. Yes. During those 20 years, did you have any nightmares? <laughs> did you laugh about it? Or was it something that you didn't address or freaked you out overall? It took me a while to go back to that comedy club because I was mortified. <laughs> Did anyone know you when you came back no. and or ribbed you yeah, in yeah, between? Yeah. Well, the, the bartender, the owner, you know, they all, you know. Did they, they call you knew. deer? Like deer in the headlights? No, they were like, hey, you're back. You know, so, Okay. You know, I, I was going to go in with a new hairstyle and like a new look, but, you know, I, I sucked it up and I just went back in as Chris Buckley, you know, so, you know, because it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, even though I, I, I stunk. So what was the catalyst that drove you back to uh, try it again? Well, I had been thinking about it for years and um, evidently. Yeah. And so in, I think it was like around 2008, um, they were having this Bronx nostalgia night up in Woodstock. Um, a couple of my husband's friends um, were having this, this night and they said it was going to be an open mic. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to do a five minute set about growing up in the Bronx. Perfect. And so this time I knew I had to prepare. <laughs> so I wrote a five minute set and I practiced it in front of my guide dog, Jax. And he thought I was hysterical. So, um, so I took it up to Woodstock. A lot of tail thumping. A lot of tail thumping, you know, and he, he had a little smile on his face. Yeah. So, um, so I went up there and, and I did really well, but it was a captive audience because it was all ex Bronxites. Sure. You know, that but still there, material, so. good material is good material, captive or not. Yeah. And then a year later, you know, it took me another year because I, you know, a year later I went back up and I did it again. They had a second one. And that night I was sitting in the audience watching everybody else. You know, you could do poetry, you could sing, you know, you could tell a story, whatever. You know, it was whatever you wanted to do. You could do a dance about the Bronx, you know, whatever. Anyway, I was sitting next to this older man and, um, you know, so we we're chit-chatting a little bit. And, he, you know, I asked him what part of the Bronx he was from. He said he was from Manhattan, but he went to Cardinal Hayes High School. Then they called me up. And I did my thing. I, and I wrote a whole new set because I figured it was going to be the same people that were there the year before, nearly so. And I didn't want to bore them with the same material. True so pro, I did a yeah. whole new and whole new set and went over really well. And then I sat back down next to the gentleman and um, he was like, you were really funny. And I said, well, thank you. And uh, so then they called him up and his name was Pat Carlin. And I was Jeez, like, that name Carlin. sounds familiar. Yeah. So then. He got up and started talking about going to Cardinal Hayes High School and his brother, George. And I was like, oh, my God, that's George Carlin's brother. And it was his writing partner. And then when he came back down, I was like, you're George Carlin's brother. And he was like, yeah. He said, how long have you been doing comedy? And I said, this is my third time, you know. First Validation. time was the open mic. Yeah. So the fact that he thought I was funny, hmm. you know, that was like a real, you know, feather in my cap. And then I remember driving back to our bungalow and I said to my husband, I said, I'm doing this. 
I got to do this. That was so much fun. So and that, yeah, then I started fantastic that you, yeah. you soared so well. But did yeah. you ever say to yourself like, oh, my God, yes, I'm so happy I finally came through this. I'm, I'm almost, you know, redeeming my bad performance from, you know, 20 years before. But did you also say to yourself, God damn it, Chris, why didn't you do this sooner? You know, I, I wish I had done it sooner, but, you know, life just gets in. Yes, of course. You know? Yeah. And, so, and going um, back in life, uh, we're going to hit the pause button on the comedy mm -hmm. for a little bit, but this is a different form of comedy yeah. when you still were working for the airlines um, and you were driving yeah. and you were at different points in your life that you actually yeah. would literally look under your car when you got the destination B point B to see if there was any items or any people that you may have happened or casually struck on the way. Yes, that was <laughs> That that was one of the turning points where I thought I should go get my eyes checked. Yeah, good, I um good thing. That was that was not good. That was not good. I, I I remember every morning I'd have to you know check the time. You know I'd, I'd look in the daily news or whatever to see what time the sun was rising because I was driving east in the morning and west in the afternoon. So if I had a seven o'clock show at the airport, I would leave my house like two hours before so that there was no sun. At all, you know, it was yeah. still dark out when I was driving because I could see Sun better. Sun can and, be a mortal enemy. Yeah, and driving right into it, it was oh, like a complete whiteout. Brutal, yeah, so brutal. there were some times where I couldn't avoid driving into the sun, and so yeah, I would get out of my car and I would, you know, run to the front of the car and just kind of check the hood to make sure it wasn't dented, and uh, and look underneath to make sure there were no feet or pieces of clothes hanging out from underneath it. You know, <laughs> my God. My guest is Chris Buckley yeah. on the Progressive Radio Network. My name is Mark Fowler. The show is Insight. Thanks so much for the hang, the Thursday hang. You can check out Chris on Insta at Chris Buckley. That's C-R-I-S-S. No, no. C-H-R-I. I forgot the H. Oh, my God. C-H-R-I-S-S-B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. I was so focused on the double S because you're <laughs> double sexy, I guess. That's why, right? <laughs> That's a terrible joke. I won't use That's it again. Right. No, I mean, it's not, it's, it's truthful, but it's just a terrible joke. Anyway, uh, Chris is performing this Saturday night at the Broadway Comedy Club in New York City, 318 West 53rd. That's between 8th and 9th. And you know it by heart because you have to use all kinds of uh, signals and uh, landmarks, et cetera, and I guess noises yeah. to find your way. So you found your yes. way to Woodstock twice. You killed it That's on stage for um, a Bronx night. And then you said to yourself, I'm going to do what next? I, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. Because I was not working at the time. And so I took some comedy classes and I did some, you know, comedy, you know, class showcases. And, and it was great. And, um, and then I got a job. Did you <laughs> so feel then I that job. when you took those classes, it kind of refined you as a comic, yeah. uh, made you sharper in terms of the material that you had, how you perceived it and how you obviously processed it. And more importantly, how you communicated it, interpreted it on stage. Oh yeah. Well, it, it, it was, that was when I finally found out, you know, about taglines and about callbacks and, you know, things like that, you know, um, you know, from, from professionals, mm. you know, cause before that I was just kind of doing the Chris Buckley, you know? And um, so, yeah, so, so it helped me to refine and to, make it more, I guess, professional, Sure. you know, instead of, you know, uh, instead of just being, well, you, know, like music, you know, it's got yeah. tempos. Timing is everything in comedy. And timing is everything. It is everything. Yeah. And that, you know, and I still have a bit of a problem with timing because, um, you know, I, as you said earlier, I'm in my head a lot when I'm on the stage, mm -hmm. you know, and like I had a, a gig 
back a couple of weeks ago at Greenwich Village Comedy Club. And I had a 10 minute spot, which is like the longest I've ever had. And, you know, so that means I had to learn 10 minutes worth of stuff, you know, and keep it memorize. in my head. Exactly. My, yeah. Memorize, you know, not to the point where I'm saying it by rote, but, sure. you know, at least what sequence I want to do things in. And then I got inspired while I was sitting there, you know, waiting to go on uh, for them to call me up. And so I changed my bit a little bit. I ad-libbed a piece. So as I was doing that, I was thinking, okay, now what part am I going to cut out? You know, because I, I couldn't go over 10 sure. minutes. And Editing on the, the fly. Bit. Wow. That's impressive. Exactly. And I kind of flubbed the line, you know, but apparently nobody's noticed, you know, cause nobody said anything to me about it. So I won't mention which line I flubbed. And, um, and it was, it was great, you know, but yeah, it's, you know, so the timing is, is really hard. And mm. especially if I, if I get caught up in the laughter, as we were discussing earlier, you know, because then, you know, like I have to pause until, you know, people can, at least the laughter calms down a little bit. And, and sometimes if people don't laugh or I think they should laugh, that kind of throws me a little bit too. Yes, I'm like, why aren't yes, they laughing? Me as well. you know, that, yeah. that part was supposed to be and funny. Then, yeah. then, or you have to beg for it. Well, Come on, folks, think. what are you doing? You know? No, nah, yeah, I, you know, I have to, I have to work on my crowd work a, a little bit, you know, but yeah, and I'll be doing that this Saturday, yeah. 6 p.m. show, industry room show. Well, you know, let's so, get um, a little taste of Chris Buckley with two S's <laughs> in action. Uh, we're going to go to this, um, this great set that I saw you perform a couple months back, and this is your material on being the airline industry. You want to set it up any more than that, Chris? Um, okay. So it's, this is my first time in probably two years and that here I have she is. been in. Comedian, so here it goes. Comedian Chris Buckley on PRN. <laughs> My dad would take me to the airport to watch the planes take off and land. This was a long time ago. Not quite the days of the Wright brothers, but Richard Branson was probably still a virgin. <laughs> I would ask him, Daddy, how do you fly an airplane? Well, how should I know Chris Buckley? I'm a bus driver, not a feckin' pilot. <laughs> Same thing, pilots just have bigger engines. <laughs> So I worked in the airlines for over 10 years. I was a flight attendant, coffee, tea, or me. Okay, boys, one at a time. I was a security screener. A security screener. And she was a bomb-sniffing dog. <laughs> And I was also a baggage handler, also known as a ramp rat. Loading, unloading the aircraft. Ramp rats could also serve as the aircraft lavatories. Their nickname was shitheads. <laughs> I almost said that I did everything except for fly a plane, but I did that too. That was one of the unspoken benefits of fecking a pilot. <laughs> Two pilots. Uh, okay, five pilots. <laughs> He would have been proud. I figured out how to fly a plane. <laughs> oh God. And then there was the lost luggage office. I never wanted to work there. People were always crying and screaming and cursing and the passengers were never happy either. <laughs> and their nickname? Bag Hags. Mm -mm, no fecking way. Until one hot Chicago day. I was in the rear cargo hold of a 737 bound from Miami and the Caribbean. 
that was not me. <laughs> Nothing to do with that. <laughs> I was in the rear cargo hold of a 737 bound from Miami in the Caribbean. I was the stacker, so I was supposed to sort the bags as the other ramp rats were throwing the bags and sort them by destination and then put them in the appropriate bin. Now that's 86 heavy pieces of luggage sorted correctly, stacked quickly and neatly in the right bin by me. Otherwise it's bag hag time for some poor unsuspecting passenger. Well, things got out of control. Bags were flying in so fast I couldn't keep up. At one point I had one leg wrapped around the St. Thomas bag, the other around St. Croix. I'm straddling the Virgin Islands while being banged by Tumi and Gucci and Louis Vuitton. A veritable orgy of luggage. Oh, you are a bad ramp rat, Chris Buckley. A bad ramp rat. Oh, oh, oh my God. Another passenger approaches. Hey, it's Tommy James from Tommy James and the Shondells. Come on. You know? You know. Crimson and Clover. Over. <laughs> Well, he was missing, uh, his Samsonite was delayed. So I took the claim, put it in, sent out an APB, wiggled my fingers, next flight arrives, no Samsonite. Then the phone rings, it's Tommy James. It's actually his guitar case with his 1965 Fender Stratocaster inside. So I'm starting to panic and I get an idea. I find a music store that actually has a 1965 Fender Jazzmaster for rent, right? Who'd thought it? So I'm about to close the deal when a ramp rat comes scurrying into the office carrying, poof, Tommy's guitar. So I send it out in a rush. I call Tommy to tell him the good news. And he tells me he's giving me two tickets for his 10 p.m. show. Food and drinks on him. So, I call one of my pilot friends. That's an unspoken benefit of fecking a bag hag. Everybody there is having a groovy time that night because of me, Chris Buckley. Bag hag extraordinaire. Thank you, thank you. So Tommy tells the crowd that he flew in on Midway Airlines. This is it, he's gonna dedicate a song to me. Probably Hanky Panky. <laughs> One minute, he's obviously was never a pilot. <laughs> Just saying. Um, so and then, he, then Tommy asked the crowd if they know why the airline was called Midway. Because, the, because they only get your luggage halfway. There you go, another happy passenger. So I wiggle my fingers and poof, like magic, a veritable orgy of free food and drinks. <laughs> oh, and the pilot? Well, let's just say I fecking earned another flying lesson. <laughs> Thank you, I'm Chris Buckley. <laughs> wow, I mean, that is just amazing material. Bravo, bravo. I, I love every aspect of that. There's not one thing. I mean, this really underscores how good you are. If you take one or two lines out of any of those bits, I think it would have lost something because it's so well thought out, so conceived, so visual, and so well interpreted. Thank you. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to weave a story that encompasses, you know, why I got interested in the airlines, you know, punctuated with some punchlines, you know, yes. that uh, 
you know, and, um, and, and, and tell a true story of something that actually happened to me, you know, maybe not exactly <laughs> as was um, depicted in my story there, but, you know, but the basic story of, you know, you know, loading a 737 with hundreds of bags, you know, um, as a woman, and, and, I'm sorry, back then, I'm sure it was at an anomaly as a woman. Loading no, planes no, bags? no. Midway was an equal opportunity employer. So there were many, many women who worked on the ramp. Well, that's and, great and to some hear. Of them, yeah. Yeah. It was a great airline. It really was. We are strong um, as a bull. I had muscles on my muscles and I was oh, nice. so, I was thin and muscular. I, I mean, Whoa, and from that, the but I was in my twenties, you know, so sure. that, yeah. Now, please, oh, you know, and the uniform that I, I, that I'm wearing in that bit, um, I thought it would be really a good idea to get an old Midway Airlines uniform. But of course, even if I had my old uniform, I wouldn't have fit in it. So I went on Facebook onto the Midway Airlines page and I asked if anybody had a uniform that they wanted to sell or, you know, donate, donate sure. to the cause. And this woman that I didn't know back in the day, um, her name is Susan. She contacted me and she had the entire uniform, wow. you know, the skirt, the, the blazer, the trench That's coat. Great. You know, everything, did she see your bit? Did you send it to her? The first one, the first time I did that bit was on Zoom. So I wore oh, the great. uniform for Zoom. So great. she saw that. She's still out in Chicago. So she wasn't in New York awesome. for, for this one. But um, but yeah, so, you know, so there I was on stage in my mid, it, well, I guess it became my Midway Airlines uniform. It still didn't fit right, but, you know, whatever. You, you know, that was part of the whole. I mean, yeah. to, to <laughs> think that you had the minimal, minimal stage time that you did up until that very moment is incredibly, incredibly hard to believe. That's how good you are. And, and, and that one video that I put up on my, my YouTube channel, um, got me a couple of gigs, you know, other pro promoters saw it, you know, searching for a new, new talent or whatnot. And, um, yeah, that's how I got my Greenwich village comedy club gig a few weeks ago. That's how I'm getting this, uh, uh, not this, Saturday not the entry room one, but um, I have another show in uh, on on New Year's Eve actually at Greenwich Village Comedy Club. So that one came off of that one video. Yeah, Chris and, Buckley, we're almost out of time, but I want to okay, hit a great. few things uh, with you. Um, what makes you a funny comic? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think my vision loss, you know, because you have to have an icebreaker, right? Because, you know, I get up there, I have a guide dog with me. People That's your don't know breaker, how to react, yeah. you know, if they, if they should laugh at a blind person, you know, whatever, you know, I'm sure some people even think I might be faking being blind, you know, but, um, for what that, a tax that doesn't credit? Make me a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause it's so cool to be part yeah, of so in um, vogue. Yeah, it is. It is. You get so many perks. Um, and you get laid so often. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm beating them up. They're lining up. I mean, yeah. I know you're married, but I mean, you know, if you weren't married. Sorry, husband. Anyway, <laughs> that's okay. Hey, yeah, I don't in. think the vision loss helps. I think what helps is, I, I, I think it's just something that's inside me, you know, that, that I do want to make people laugh. You know, and, you know, my vast life experience, I have a lot of places to pick from and choose mm. from. And I think I'm relatable on a lot of levels to people because of my experience. You know, I don't know how I play in Peoria, you know, because, you know, because <laughs> exactly. I'm, a, you know, I like I'm, that. I'm, I'm performing, I'm so Chris, performing you, mostly in New York. As you know, you know so. and most insight listeners know uh, that I am visually impaired, not any degree to um, 
vision loss of, as you have experienced. Uh, but when I'm on stage, I feel great. I feel indomitable. I, first of all, I never feel disabled except when right. someone makes me feel that way and no one can actually make yeah. me feel a certain way, but they may make me angered. Um, but when you're on stage and this may sound like a clumsy question, but I preface it by someone who's respectfully in your life field experiences, et cetera. How do you feel? Do you, is your vision a, a moot point at that time? Um, I, you know, I think Once you're it's up a there. plus. Yeah. I think it's a plus that I can't see the, the audience, you know, because I think, you know, if I made eye contact with somebody that might throw me off. So just having like disembodied voices out there, I think is definitely a, um, a help, mm. you know, I can't get distracted by somebody's facial expressions or somebody's not paying attention. You know, if they're looking down at their phone or whatever, I just get up there and I do what I do, you know? So I think, I think in that way, the vision loss does help, you know? Um, but everything else is just, you know, from me. And I, I you know, I don't even know if that answered your question. <laughs> no, it does. It does. Because that's who you are. I don't see you being really any different, except obviously your cadence when you're on stage, because you are who you are, because, you know, everyone expects comedians to be hysterical 24-7. And that's not possible. First of all, who wants anyone to be cracking jokes every day? As a matter of fact, my wife, I think the first couple of years we were together, she was kind of like, it was, a, you know, a bit to get used to because I have a lot of energy. Uh, I'm not as funny as Chris Buckley, but, you know, I'm, I'm good with one-liners, zingers, and I just, I'm optimistic, eternally optimistic. And as you know, I'm a speaker as well. I, I speak to right. corporate and students, all different diverse audiences. Now, I'm even speaking to seniors, which started during COVID, during isolation. Um, so yeah. comedy is comedy. Life is life. You are someone who appreciates and lives life. And despite any perceived limitation that you have, nothing stops Chris Buckley. And that is just amazing and great evidence for everybody to know that number one, doesn't matter what your perceived or real limitation is life. If you want to do something, you can go for it. And number two, again, the 35 year old ship may have sailed and you are up there, man, basically starting a new career. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been fun so far, you know, and uh, I, I have to say when I when I was doing this eight years ago, I had some fun, but then it became not fun. And mm. this time around, though, I'm I am just loving it. I'm making connections. I'm, you know, meeting new people. I some people from my past are coming, you know, surfacing because of the YouTube videos, you know, people that I worked with at the airlines. And mm. it's just exactly. it's just been it's just been fantastic. You know, yeah. and well, you again, know, as I. As I mentioned before, we connected uh, this morning that I was telling uh, our listeners that how we met was sort of a blind date um, to was, a mutual yeah. friend uh, who is just an incredible person and her husband, Larry. Yeah. Um, but the fact is that, uh, you know, I knew you're a great soul. Yeah. As you said the other day, there is no love connection, but there is a, a friend and good person, natured person connection. And I loved yeah. speaking with you when you worked for the New York Commission for the Blind and Vision Impaired, the different avenues and how hard you worked, even when you, when you were blind and ran a coffee shop where you would actually take a bus at 4 or 4.30 in the morning, arrive an hour or two before the library opened and sit outside in the freezing cold with your dog that you, obviously you, you said you open your coat and let the dog yeah. in and keep him warm and he would keep you warm. And that yeah. is the true definition of your work ethic. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know what to say to that, but yeah, I, I mean, I, well, I'm a verb. It's impressive. So, yeah. 
Yeah. You're so Drogo's are, you know, we, we make things work, you know, you know, they, I, 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 I try not to let things keep me down, you know, because well, if I was a virgin, I mean, I'd be down at your age. And not a say a virgin. I said oh, a virgin. I'm, I'm now hearing impaired. I'm sorry. <laughs> that would be so sad. Oh, that would be sad. Yeah. We'd age. have to change that. You know, the 35 year old virgin take two Saturday night. You got to go see Chris Buckley. Broadway Comedy Club, December 4th. That's this Saturday, 318 West 53rd between 8th and 9th. Uh, there is a actual code that will yes. get you a kiss from Chris Buckley. <laughs> well, or from, or from Laura, my guide dog. Oh, or Laura. Um, okay. The, yeah. The so if you go to the is, website, yeah, yes. if you go to the website, broadwaycomedyclub.com, I believe it is, um, and you go to the industry room, it's the 6 p.m. show, because apparently there's a 4 p.m. show, but it's the 6 p.m. show. You use the code B-U-C-K. Rhymes with. To say, it rhymes with luck. Very good. You know, which I need a lot of for Saturday. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> but um, you'll get five bucks off. Hey, there you, you go. Know? That's so uh, half that. a drink. That is half a drink. But if you bring two people, that's uh, one drink for one of you. People can't get there. People want to follow you. That Of course, you're on Insta. At Chris Buckley, that's with two S's. At Chris Buckley, YouTube channel is a moment in takeover. Christery, C H R I S S T O R Y, Christery. Um, yeah, uh, and I will have more videos up on my uh, on my YouTube channel. Sure, hit shortly. subscribe. Yeah, yeah. So please subscribe, hit the like button, as they always say. You know, give me a thumbs up. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah. It's, I mean, this is this is going to be a fun ride. So. Um, yeah, so come join me. Come become yes, a moment in history. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, but one of my mantras that I always uh, communicate everywhere in life on the radio or on stages to audiences naturally is that my difference makes me stronger. I'm visually impaired. I do things mm -hmm. differently um, in every aspect, professionally and personally, from reading a measuring tape to being on the air, troubleshooting the console right before we went live here with dual magnification. So my difference makes me stronger and that applies to you. And it's so emblematic that man, you are just someone who is just steadfast, determined, and um, doesn't let adversity or barriers hold them back. Thank you for being a, a great shining example of this. Uh, well, thank you. And if I may say one more thing, um, I was told way back when, when I was uh, first getting services um, from my counselor, Tom, uh, that the person that you were before you had your vision loss is the person that you will be after your vision loss once you've adjusted. So I've always been Chris Buckley and I always will be Chris Buckley for better or for worse. And uh, yeah, so. You just have the I, advantage of a living buddy. That's right. A little furry friend that, yeah. that's my faithful companion everywhere I go. What a pleasure and all the best to you, my friend. Thank you, Mark. It was great talking to you. Yes, Chris Buckley is tremendous, man. Great job, Chris. Thanks for being on the show and I wish you all the best. And again, just goes to show that if you want to do something in life, it is never, ever too late. Just put the effort into it. If you have a will, you will make a way. Hey, it's Mark Farrell. Thanks so much for the Thursday hang. Let's do it again real soon. It is a beautiful, gorgeous day in New York City here today. High of 56. Yes, get outside no matter where you are in this world on this great planet and get some fresh air and some vitamin D, hopefully. Let's do it again real soon. Keep living and laughing. Gary Noll is next, the founder of this tremendous network known as Progressive Radio Network. Keep it living and laughing. Enjoy your day. 
Insight with Mark Farrell. Check out this and all Insight shows on the Insight page at prn.fm. prn.fm. Have Mark speak at your company, your kid's school or college. Mark speaks on critical topics that affect kids and adults everywhere, from anti-bullying, mental health, drugs and alcohol, to overcoming adversity. Visit markfarrellmotivation.com for more info. Insight, Thursday mornings at 11 on the Progressive Radio Network. Network.